Hi, and welcome to the Women in Archaeology podcast, a podcast about for and by women in the field. My name is Chelsea Slotten, and I'll be your host for the episode. On today's episode, we'll be chatting with Jessica Erickson and Jasmine Saxon, the co-owners of Community Connections LLC based in Colorado. We'll be talking a bit about using archaeology outside of CRM or cultural resource management, how to make archaeology more accessible to the public, and also archaeology education and outreach. Filling out the panel today is Kirsten Lopez. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. Of course. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, I always love these recordings. They're like a highlight, which is great. Now, uh, Jessica and Jasmine, our audience don't know quite as much about you as we do. Um, So if you could uh, jump in and just give us like a quick 30 second, who you are, what you do as archaeologists, um, and why you love archaeology. Totally. Sure. Jess, Uh, you want to (laughs) go? Sure. Yeah. So I have been an archaeologist in uh, the western half of the U.S. for about 10 years now. Um, I got interested in archaeology from a young age. My dad was really into history, and I watched The Mummy. I loved that movie so much, so I ended up figuring out how I could do that. Um, And yeah, we met, Jasmine and I met at a conference in Colorado called the Colorado uh, Council of Professional Archaeologists in 2018. And uh, we've been fast friends ever since. So Jasmine, go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Um, So I'm Jasmine. And when I was about 12 years old, I was offered this, um, I can't even remember the name of the actual program, but it was this ambassador type program and you had to apply to be a part of it. So I had to write like an essay and do an interview and all this stuff. And then once you um, pass that screening part, um, you were able to travel overseas for, I think it was like 10 days or so. And um, you were kind of like an ambassador of your community to this, to whoever you're going to see. So I was able to go to England, Ireland, and Wales. And um, when I, it just like blew my imagination like wide open because being 12 years old, you know, I hadn't really necessarily traveled like internationally or seen actual castles or anything like that in my <laughs> life yet. So, you know, I was able to go to the Roman baths. I kissed the Blarney stone. Like it was just amazing. And I just like made my brain just go wild with like all these scenarios, how people lived back then. And I didn't know it at the time, but I like decided then and there that I was going to make a career out of whatever this is. <laughs> and um, whatever this is. <laughs> yeah, like whatever, whatever this is, I want to do it for the rest of my life. Um, so my dad, being a smart individual, um, when I came home, I told him all my excitement and he um, was like, well, that's, let's, get you a a magazine on archaeology so at the time way back when when we had magazines (laughs) um he subscribed me to this kids magazine called dig and it was it was really a a kids magazine on archaeology and so i learned about archaeology that way and i would like wait like every single i think they came like once a month or something and that was like the highlight of my month was to read uh, all the archaeology stuff in that magazine and that's how I became interested in archaeology. I just, I've been obsessed ever since. <laughs> That's amazing. And I mean, it, it really speaks to kind of that power that archaeology has 
for just like, yeah, people's imaginations, um, getting people to think about other cultures, other times and places and how people in the lit in the past lived, how they're different, but also how they're the same. Um, so that's like a great like archaeology origin story. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's cool because like, I think oftentimes, you know, archaeology is supposed to be like really sexy. You know, it's like mm -hmm. when you think about archaeology, it's like, oh, everyone and Justin and I talk about this often you know you're just like oh the pyramids or you know like something really like amazing and like distant and like exotic but I think what's really cool is that it's just literally like I live in a hundred year old house there's archaeology in my backyard and so I think like that is the coolest part of all of this is that it can be accessible to anyone anytime anywhere one yeah. of my favorite things Sorry, one of my favorite things to tell people is that even styrofoam, some styrofoam is now considered archaeology. And they're just like, are you serious? That's important. It's like, well, depends, but yeah, <laughs> it's, context it's is funny. everything. Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but it sounds like you've, you've both taken that passion for accessibility um, into your professional relationship as well with community connections can you just talk about a little bit about like why you decided to yeah found? well why did you decide yes. to start that business <laughs> yeah we can't <laughs> talk about that um as just said we met at a colorado conference for archaeologists and when we met we just i think like our entire conversation was about public archaeology <laughs> is that right yeah Jess? we were both super excited like that's exactly what we've both been wanting to do for so long. So we met and it was like an explosion of just like, oh my God, you like this too? What? <laughs> Those are the yes. best explosions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we just like started a friendship and um, we started like hanging out and getting to know each other. And then about, not maybe maybe about a year, maybe less. Oh, it was, I think it was about a year because we started yeah, our business yeah, in yeah. April. 2019 so it had been just about a year after Jess and I met um and this had been like so funny so like two years three years into our business now we just had this conversation <laughs> and it it was that you know I had always had this like business on my heart like in my dreams like I wanted like I knew something more was out there than just doing CRM mm -hmm. and um so this was like my my dream like my baby to have this like business and I had no idea but like Jessica had the same exact feeling and like we didn't even like really communicate that to each other until just like a couple years ago <laughs> after we started this but um because I was like I've always wanted to do this and she's like well I always wanted to do this and I was like wait I, I had no idea that we were both just like, this was always like in our minds and we just never actually communicated to each other until just a couple of years ago that that origin of this business started in our hearts a long time ago individually. And I think it's just a really cool universe thing that we were brought together because um, we really do have a, the same passion for serving people. I think people are the most important part of archaeology. It sounds like a duh thing, but um, yeah. they really are, you know? And I think that using archaeology and Jess feels the same, that we can really make some differences in our community about how we connect to each other, how we talk to each other, like being culturally sensitive. Um, mm -hmm. Learning about other cultures is so important in this day and age, especially as we go through some of the things in our world at this moment, like with all the racism and division going on. 
you know, it's just, I see archaeology as this overarching tool that we can use in so many different aspects to help bring people together. And so that is why we made community connections so that we could connect to our community. And we wanted it to be a name that wasn't necessary, necessarily archaeology. Right. Because we wanted people's brains to be a little bit more open to what archaeology can be. And so really, we're using archaeology as a connector. And that is why we named our business what it is. <laughs> Very nice. I like that. I do. And I mean, it's also good because the minute you say archaeology, people have like an, an idea or a picture in their head, right? And whether it's like Indiana Jones or Laura Croft or dinosaurs <laughs> Um, yeah, the term archaeology can be a very loaded one. So Absolutely. you know, yeah, just like a different name to kind of get people to to be a little bit more open minded is is great. And and I mean, archaeology, like, yeah, it's great to like find interesting things, um, right? Everybody's like who's been in the field hopefully has a story where they're like, oh yeah, I was digging <laughs> and I found something great. And then you know, I also spent ten hours digging and found nothing. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> that happens um um you made a good point about archaeology being kind of about about the people right um and people tend to think of archaeology as being about the things um so I was wondering if you wanted to elaborate that on that a little bit more because I do think it's sometimes an under under acknowledged bit of archaeology particularly for people who are you know in in CRM because it it's a job and it's, you know, to fulfill a requirement for a construction project or, uh, you know, government contract or something. And, um, you know, a lot of CRM work doesn't necessarily get that level of, of splash, right? It's not the pyramids. This is amazing. There's a new article every week and half of it's pseudo-archaeological bullshit, but, um, (laughs) You know, I, I think that there's like CRM is kind of like an underpublicized workhorse of archaeology. Definitely. Yeah. It's the gray literature almost like it's just like, oh, yeah, everybody's writing reports and nobody in the public sees it. Or, you know, even the, the client is like, oh, thanks for the report. And then they just kind of send it in to where they need to. And that's the end of it. But yeah, um, the people aspect and for people within CRM to remember that, like, one of my favorite parts about archaeology is like if you find a projectile point in the field it's like holy crap like the artistic skill to make this you wonder who made it and that brings you back to the people but Mm -hmm. then to relay that feeling and that just like that moment you have to other people once I don't know if I'm doing this justice but once you can like really land it with the community or with just an individual who's not involved in archaeology they're like oh wow yeah and it, it they relate to it more of like okay just think about I don't know your your grandma like maybe she made something when she was little and mm-hmm. you have it now and like that is the same connection of it, it's just all person to person individual to individual community to community country to country type of thing I don't know Jasmine if you have more to say on that but uh, yeah, I think, no, I think you did a good job. I think some of our projects uh, recently have shown us how important the people are. Um, we did a 
over the last year or and a half or so, we worked with Foothills Art Center, which is out in um, uh, Golden, Colorado. And they have this amazing historic hotel called the Astor House. It's super cool. It's been there since the beginnings of Golden, like back in the late 1800s. And so it's it's really a icon for the for the town now but it was um slated to be destroyed in the 70s and the community got together and saved it and it it had many different purposes over the years it was a museum it it was um uh what else was it just it was a museum and some I, other things i can't remember boarding house storage room there yeah, was, there was a lot of, a lot of random uses for it and eventually um what ended up happening was the second floor had some structural issues and so they had to um, get everything out and like fix they had to go in and put these like steel beams in to shore up the second floor so it wouldn't collapse and at that time they found like a uh, asbestos mm-hmm. in uh the building and so they ended up tearing everything down to the studs in the building and it sat like that for I think like seven years or so mm-hmm. and yeah. it was just vacant and so um the community was like well what are we going to do with this building and it and it has a lot of like history there obviously it's been there since the beginning of the town but people that have grown up there now are, are that are older you know remember when it was you know a museum or like we actually met this older like she's quite older <laughs> lady who remembers like the previous the last previous owner that ran it as a boarding house like she remembers that time um and so it's just it's like really cool it's like up into the 50s that that was a boarding house and the school of mines which is out there has a huge history with that property um uh, ida getz was a german immigrant who owned it for quite a while and she opened the doors to the the students there and they would come and have these big meals and they practice football in the yard at the astor house and there's just like all these really cool stories so we were fortunate enough to get involved um the foothills art center bought the property and or not bought it but they um the city like lease is like, I think leasing it to them or something like that, but um, they have the rights to go in there and they're going to renovate the property to use it as another, um, it's like Foothills Art Center at the Astor House. So it's going to be like a gallery space. There's going to be interactive portions so that kids and families can come in and, and interact with the space and the art. And um, it's going to have like an amphitheater in the back so you can have shows and, you know, just like a really like community driven space. So Jess and I were fortunate enough to um, get word of this project and knew some people involved and they were going to do excavations in the backyard of the house since mm-hmm. it's going to be renovated. It was like the perfect time and no archaeological work had been done on this property yet and so we were just like super excited to see what we would find in this backyard um and we found over what twenty thousand artifacts just wow wow just it was six units yeah Yeah. there's six units um it was a ton of you know more like kitchenware type stuff right because the kitchen was off the back of the house so there's like a lot of bone and broken pottery and things like that but there were also some other really interesting artifacts like um there was a coin a chinese coin a ren that was found from i don't know if i'm getting this date right like the eighth dynasty Jess, do you remember I think so i yeah it it's super cool though like the eighth it's... like the ming dynasty like the eighth something or other i 
would have to look it up. I don't have it off the top of my head right now, but, um, but like, you know, it speaks to these different types of people that have been on this property. And so we, um, took all of this information and Jess and I created a more so Jess, cause it's like her specialty, but, um, we created a tour for the public. And so we had like this open house and people could come in and we would tell them the story of the Astor house and that is where the moment hit that Jess was describing earlier when people are like, all of a sudden it clicks in their brain and you see their eyes light up and they're just like, oh man, like all these things happened here. And I'm standing right here where Ida Getz stood. And there's a, we have a historic photo of her off the backside of the kitchen. And like, you can stand yes. in that place today, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's like, it's really neat to see that connection. But I think yeah. like that is what we're really trying to bring more of in like by doing this business is that wonder and that excitement of connecting to something that is very long ago past but we have like we're all human and so we all have stories of resilience and survival and overcoming challenges and success and celebrations and so there's just this really amazing connection that happens where you're in a space like that and to be able to communicate those stories and then to also hear people like, oh yeah, we got married at the Astor house and had our reception in the backyard, you know? So there's this ongoing storytelling that's happening and like talking about gives me goosebumps. I think it's just, it's just such a neat place to be in. And that's like really what we want to share with our audience every single time we show up as community connections. Yeah, I mean that that sounds amazing, um, and it is it is really powerful when you get someone um, to be like, oh, I'm standing where someone else stood. This might be a dumb question. I know you mentioned that Ida Gates was the owner of the boarding house, but w- was she like important to the community in another way? Or um, yeah, yeah. Jess, do you want to she... talk about her? <laughs> totally. Yeah. She um. So she came in and she kind. For like our tour and like how we wanted to relay it is like Ida gets almost represents the German community that was very present in um, Golden. I mean, that's Adolf Coors is the guy who created Coors and he's just down the street from where Ida had this hotel uh, So and boarding house. So she definitely was very important to the community and she actually brought in the first bathtub for the entire community of Golden. So she would charge a nickel. People could take a bath and they would come from all (laughs) over Colorado to come and experience this bath. Oh, wow. That is awesome. (laughs) Wild. Communal bathhouse. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And Ida was, her nickname was um, um, Mother Gets. Like she had this just amazing, how they describe her is just this amazing like, caretaker energy and so she took care of all the students that would come and she was an amazing cook and you know a really really hard worker um and especially during a time you know when the like the german population was being oppressed um with the war going on um you know the community really came together and just like still supported her and and gave her business um so i think it's just a really cool story too of you know survival and thriving in a time where it's difficult and challenging and like she showed up like showed up and like ran this boarding house for like 50 years it's like pretty amazing for a woman in that time especially of german descent like that's huge so, and her husband had passed away already. So she's right. doing this all on her own. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, she sounds like a super interesting woman. She's a badass. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it sounds like a, an absolutely amazing project to be involved with. Um, we are unfortunately at the end of our, our first segment. So we'll be going to break. But when we come back, I can't wait to hear about some of the other projects that y'all have been involved with. Yeah, thanks. Sounds good. Did you know that we have a blog? Check out the Women in Archaeology website for a variety of blog posts as well as past episodes. Interested in supporting the podcast? From the website, you can check out our Patreon account and learn about the different ways to help support the blog and podcast. We can give you a cool sticker in return. Again, thank you for listening. Hi, and welcome back to the Women in Archaeology podcast. On today's episode, we've been talking with Jessica and Jasmine from Community Connections LLC about some of their work. In the last segment, we spoke about the importance of archeology span for communities, as well as some of the work that they have been doing at the Astor House. And something that we kind of spoke about uh, a little bit in the break was some of the tours that um, Jessica, you and Jasmine ran both at the Astor House and then other tours that you've done to try and promote that archaeological engagement within broader communities um, and just some of the really good feedback that you have gotten from that um, and like how it's very important um, and the community really values that. So I'd really love if you could chat a little bit, a little bit more about that, um, particularly because when we talk about community archaeology, a lot of times I think we talk about talking to the community while planning for archaeology um, then what happens next, right? How do you keep that community engagement throughout the project um, and beyond when the digging itself ends? Yeah, totally. It's it's quite interesting because a lot of projects that, I guess probably like 80, 90% of projects that happen, at least in the CRM world in America, like most people never hear about. So um, to have people involved from basically the planning stage and the get-go is really important um and it's just super valuable to have the community involved because maybe if funding goes through or it doesn't go through maybe the community will be passionate enough uh, about what you're doing to help you out or you know just different scenarios like that so with the tours we have been getting people involved and telling them stories about the past, about where they're standing, about you know how they can be a part of it all. And that really lights people up. So I think the tours that we have and that we're creating are super valuable to really get people to see the value in archeology, span in history, in their own community. Um, so the tour that we have right now, that's like our main uh, main thing we just put it on airbnb experiences which is super oh. awesome <laughs> um yeah but we so it's a tour of downtown denver and it's along the 16th street mall which is an open air mall it's about a mile and a half long uh, the tour lasts for maybe a couple hours but basically we just take people through how denver was uh established who was there to create the Denver that we know and love today. And we get to show them different architectural styles, different 
uh, art installments and just like a really hands-on almost like we, we'll walk into the buildings and show them like this is the architecture or the architect that built this and like look at the mosaics it's it's really interactive and it's a lot a lot of fun um people can actually get on a it's an experience it's a website and it's called factor earth i think it's factorearth.explore right jasmine you can give it to us um after the show we'll make sure to drop it in the show notes for anyone who's interested fantastic but anyways it's a you can get on your phone basically anywhere you're at and you can get in and see the 360 views of every single stop of ours and you can experience uh the stories and the you know the the black and white photos and see everything and the people we're talking about so it's so you don't even really have to be a member to do that you can just you like, do not worlds and it's free too it's yeah. great. It's yeah, it's a completely free resource to the public. So you're, you know, as a user, you're not required to sign up or do anything. You just get on there and it's a great so what we've started doing and I and I haven't seen anyone else doing this yet, but uh so Jess will take everyone in person on these tours and then she introduces them to this resource on their because everyone has a smartphone these days. Well, most people do. Um, so she'll, she'll have people pull out their smartphones and ask them to go to explore.factorearth.com. And mm -hmm. she'll, there's, I think there's eight maybe experiences on there right now from all over Colorado. Um, but she'll guide them to the 16th Street Mall experience. And I there's five, I think, different 360 uh, views that we have taken uh, pictures of from the 16th Street Mall. And um, within that 360 view, it's it's like an augmented reality. So if you're on your phone, you can hold your phone and like, as you move with your phone, the, it moves within the picture, right? So it's mm -hmm. kind of, it's like a virtual thing. And then they have these little placard, like marker type things within that, that you can click on. And it'll pop open a new screen and it'll tell you more information like on the building or on this piece of artwork or, you know, whatever it will be. So what's really cool about that is a lot of times, at least for me, when we're talking about history, I want to see pictures. Like I want to know what it looked like before. Mm -hmm. And so what's really neat about this is we'll be standing, you know, downtown, whatever, in front of this building. And Jessica can be like, hey, okay, pull this up. And, you know, people pull it up and then you'll be able to actually see the clock tower when it was like first built through this app of the historic photo while you're looking at the actual clock tower in front of you. Oh, and wow. I think that is like really cool um, because yeah. a lot of times I feel like it, like even when I go on historic tours myself, they're always really interesting, but like, I always love the old pictures. I want to see like what it was. And so a lot of times if you're out like on a walking tour, you don't get that luxury of seeing like historic photos you see the current buildings and we have to describe the history to you but with this experience combining these two resources that we have you get a holistic view of history and you get the pictures and you get even more information like because our tour doesn't exactly replicate what's on the uh, website right so it's it's really a companion and then mm -hmm. they can go off and like bring that up anytime they want to so you could be sitting on your couch on a rainy day and go explore downtown um so it's, it's, just, it's just a really neat way to start getting people more involved well, and I really like that idea, too, as far as like the tour guests 
Um, I know sometimes if you're with a group, uh, someone who's say hard of hearing, um, may have difficulty hearing the tour guide or focusing on what they're saying, if they're being distracted by everything that's going on and, and the resource itself and being able to have that with like the placards there, I can imagine that can be really helpful with accessibility for the, the tour guests as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And so the Astor House tour, what we were talking about a little bit ago, that is also on Factor Earth. And you can actually see that that Chinese coin. You can see um, different pins that they've recovered and stuff like that, too. So the artifacts are in there and, and it's, it's super cool. Also, it, what's really fun, what uh, Factor Earth has done is in almost every 360 picture, there's this little turtle. It's like a like a little hidden gem. So if you can find the turtle in every 360 view, <laughs> they're trying to put, like they're trying to gamify it and like make it like you get like a, you know, a dollar off here or something. <laughs> so it's like a Where's Waldo, except it's a turtle. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Aww, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have done the, the 16th Street um in Denver and then the Astor House. Are there any other tours that you've either like done in the past or that you're currently working on and you want to like hype up? Um, <laughs> I'd say currently right now, the one that we want to hype up is the 16th street mall tour. Um, we are creating more tours, but those aren't fully formed yet. So sure. they're within Colorado and they'll be available hopefully in the next couple of months. Um, so Definitely kind of wanted to do a pandemic and prohibition tour. So maybe like a, you know, go through the similarities between the pandemic and the prohibition and go hit up some different uh, whiskey tastings and all that kind of stuff. So oh, nice. right, that is something I would show up for. Whiskey tastings. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Definitely a lot of fun. Hope to see you guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know what I'm doing next time I'm in Denver. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you can sign up directly through our website or the Airbnb experiences. So we have a couple options there to get involved. And we will definitely drop those uh, links in the show notes as well. Uh, so anyone who's listening who is interested can easily find them. Thank you. Nice. Yeah, so I, I think... Uh, the tours are going to be a really neat way to get in front of the community in a more um, entertaining way <laughs> um, rather than just doing like projects um, for, you know, like making a educational worksheet or resource, that type of thing. So I think the tours are a lot of where we get kind of our, um, that's what people know, I think know most about us are, are the tours part. Um but we have a whole nother part of our business really that um, is super important. So the Westminster project, which we kind of talked about during the break as well, um, is I think more of where like my passion lays in that type of work, um, doing more advocacy work mm -hmm. for the community. Um, so I what's think, going on with yeah, Westminster Farm? So, so up in Westminster, Colorado, there is um, a historic property called Westminster Castle, and it's uh, it, it looks like a castle. It's gorgeous. Um, you can mm -hmm. Google it. It's beautiful. It's like redstone 
um, locally sourced rock um, that they built this beautiful building with. And it's got a pretty sordid history. <laughs> um, Still the deeds. Okay. Yeah, it, like the KKK was there for a while mm. and like all like they used to like burn crosses on the hill up there and, you know, all, all kinds of stuff just. But um, so in and of itself, that's interesting. Um, but uh, right uh, north of that property, there was farmland and the Westminster Castle was also used uh, later on as a school. And the original um, plan for this property was that it was supposed to be the Princeton of the West. So it's supposed to be this really prestigious campus and they had um, farmland associated with it so that they could grow f their own food and everything to supply the school. Well, that idea never really came to fruition. Um, there's they struggled. There's a whole history of like financial instability and things like that. So that that whole idea never really came to be. But that farmland uh, has never been built on. It's never been developed. And um, since like the you know early 1900s. And so for Westminster, that is the most pristine piece of property in the city. Um, there, everything else has been developed and built on. Um, and so that is kind of the very last open space. And it's right in the middle of Westminster. And it has a gorgeous view of the mountains and downtown Denver. Like it's just right there on top of the hill. So you can see everything from this property. And it's been farmed for, for years. And so, um, it kind of became this communal open space. So the, all the neighbors surrounding this like plot of land would go out there and play on the property and, you know, watch sunsets out there. And it was just kind of this open, like, just come on in kind of, you know. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like it might also be really important in terms of um, like biodiversity, bee highways, place yeah. insects to, to stop on, on their way. Um, if it's a big green space in the middle of concrete. Right, exactly. So there's a lot of value to the property, not just historically, but environmentally. And so um, the owner, it's been privately owned. And so the owner wanted to sell the property and of course they <laughs> went into talks with a developer who wants mm. to do high density housing there on that plot of land and yeah. completely change you know the whole face of that neighborhood um and we're talking like you know condos and retail center like a whole high density thing going on so um we were contacted we we knew someone that knew someone that knew someone. And honestly, that's how we get a lot of our business yeah, <laughs> is through totally. is through those connections. Um, but they uh, asked us, you know, if we kind of were interested in getting involved with this uh, project because the community had come together and they um, started protesting this development. And not that, you know, it doesn't need to necessarily sit vacant the whole time, but the use that they're proposing, um, the city or the community was like, just they're super against it. Um, and so Jess and I were a little bit hesitant at first because it is a politically charged environment. And, you know, I, I think in archaeology, we kind of skirt the politics a lot of times, but like it's such a political <laughs> industry. Yeah. Like we yeah. are in the middle right. of all the things. <laughs> right. 
whoever writes the history has a lot of political power. So like maybe we should, yeah, be (laughs) a bit more aware of that anyways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so we started um, going to the meetings at like the community meetings. And this is just a grassroots bunch of people got together neighborhood said, I don't like what's happening. Let's do something about it. So a couple years ago, this has been a couple years now. um, But we started going to the community meetings and just trying to figure out like how how can we assist in this regard? Um, So we ended up being... um, we did all of this pro bono for the community because we believe that it's important to for preservation and historically and environmentally, there's a lot of evidence that shows that this property could be used for something more and better to benefit the community. Um, mm-hmm. So we did a 30 plus page report um, about the history of the property. Like we outlined the whole story of what we could find within records. I mean, Jess and I were running around to all of these <laughs> historical societies and um, libraries and during yeah, during COVID. COVID. <laughs> get into anything. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was terrible. It was like, we're, you know, we need to go to the archives. Well, the archives are closed. Like, you know, it's just, it was, it was a chore to try to uh-huh. get all of this information from very, obscure places um during a pandemic (laughs) so yeah uh, yeah it was a challenge but we learned so much um just about you know community activism and um you know listening to community members i think is really important and a lot of times what ends up happening is these situations are based around history um, you know, the community has a history with this property. They are connected. They find identity in this property. And so um, Jess and I just outlined a, it's really a um, call to action to the city council of Westminster to say, hey, look, something really valuable is sitting here. Not that you can't develop, you know, we're not against development per se, but we do believe that you can develop responsibly and you can develop within the community interest. And obviously the community Mm -hmm. is not wanting this to happen. Um, You know, they organize protests and uh, they've had letters, um, you know, uh, petitions signed and you know letters to the council and like it's it's a huge huge thing i mean there's yeah, tons 12, of newspaper articles yeah twelve thousand signatures yeah um but yeah so it was just a really cool opportunity for jess and i to be advocational archaeologists in that sense or historians even um and we uh actually were invited by the community to present to the city council on this research that we did and to let them know that they really need to do due diligence and and protect the resources that could be here. Uh, There's also history, and this is really obscure too, it's kind of like little bits and pieces in the records here and there, but a a large Native American presence, um, there's was in that area as well and um there's records of you know trade happening between some of the early settlers and native americans in that area and unfortunately like as we were talking earlier there are a lot of times where voices uh minorities uh don't have room to tell their history or to share their narrative and so it's not just about you know protecting this land because the community finds it valuable there's a whole like 
history here that has been obscured and is going to be lost if we don't do something about it. So um, I think that like is where a lot of my heart lies with this business is really, you know, standing up for the community and asking them what they find valuable. We are not authorities on history. We are here to facilitate and we're here to help provide resources to record that history in a way that benefits the community. And that's what we're all about. Like, it's not ours. This is a collective thing that we're doing and we need to ask the community what they value. And so that's why we stepped into this project and um, it's still ongoing. They're still fighting. Um, we've, we've kind of stepped away with our part, but um, it's still an ongoing politically charged challenge right now for the community. Yeah. And it is so important for the community to have allies with knowledge, expertise, data <laughs> um, mm. to, to back them up. Because as you did say, unfortunately, a lot of times these sort of conversations come down to the community doesn't want it. And, you know, there's a, a good bit of money, unfortunately, oftentimes to be made. So yep. um, the community yeah. doesn't want it in bureaucratic and political circles. doesn't always get you. Um you know, the answer that you want, but if you show up and you're like, here is all the documentation of how this is an important historical site, um, mm -hmm. you know, that can, can sway people. Um, it, I mean, it would be really great if you could just go like the community doesn't want this, don't do it to the community. But um, I think we all have seen too many, too many times when that isn't the case. So oh, it's yeah. really great that you guys um, kind of did all that research and went to bat for the community. Yeah, I think it was a really good learning experience. I don't know, like, it, was, it, it seems yeah. like development is still going to move forward. So, you know, we may have not won that one. <laughs> but um, I think it was great for us to learn just to figure out how we can show up for our community in different ways as an archaeologist. Yeah, and you uh, you unfortunately don't always always win them. It's um, kind of a sad note to end our second segment on. But <laughs> when we come back in the third segment hopefully we'll have some more positive news for the listeners <laughs> absolutely <laughs> see you after the break looking for other archaeology podcasts there's so many to choose from why not try archie fantasies and bust myths surrounding ancient finds and people or learn about the study of animal bones and archie animals there's also the great go dig a hole and the arc and anth podcasts don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the women in archaeology podcast and all of these fun archaeology podcasts that are available on iTunes, Spotify, all over the place. Thanks for listening. Hi, and welcome back to the Women in Archaeology podcast. So far on today's episode, we've been chatting with Jessica and Jasmine from Community Connections, LLC, about some of your experiences doing community archaeology in Colorado, um, working with communities to do kind of some political activism and trying to save, save some spaces as well as developing tours. Um, we ended the last segment kind of talking about how community activism um, doesn't always work, which is sad. Um, so we're going to transition into a bit more uh, positive things and kind of how we as archaeologists, as well as how as members of the community can get involved in our own community to try and make sure that um, the archaeology in our backyard is protected. And 
be be a bit more engaged. Um, I think one of the things that that you guys are doing is a uh, like a training for like archaeology for for kids. Um, I don't know whether that's like a PDF for yeah. coursework or whatever, but kind of you know, getting getting kids interested young. Um, yes, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we believe, you know, if, if we're going to make a difference doing the work that we do, you know, kids are really important. They're the ones that are going to be the future and carry this work forward. So a big part of our business is education and outreach, and really informing our audience of what archaeology is and what that looks like. Um, and so. I have had uh, this brainchild <laughs> for a while, <laughs> um, but I, I, are you familiar with like mastermind courses at all? I'm not, yeah. no. Okay, so some of you maybe, some of you aren't. Um, a mastermind yeah. course is, is really, it's just a, um, it's like a condensed mini little lesson, if you will, on a specific topic. So um, like say you want to learn how to uh, crochet. You could take a mastermind course on crocheting and it would be, you know, a really condensed, intense course that would just like get you the basic skills. Um, and it it's it's just like a high level intense course is what it is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to teach yeah. you something that's supposed to be like very expertise or or something that, um, you know, a lot of not a, a lot of people know how to do. Um, and so I had this idea that. um we could do a mastermind course for kids on archaeology. So making it obviously much less simple, I mean, much less, I mean, more simple. <laughs> Sorry, that's not what I meant. Make it much less complicated, more simple. Um, but really, it's a going to be a, um, we've got the first lesson pretty much done. Um, but it's going to be a, 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 a course that uses different um, media. So we'll, Justin and I are actually going to be uh, recording ourselves and uh, like as we would teach a class or a kid or whatever, right? So you'll have a video of us talking. Um, but then we also have worksheets that we've made up to go along with everything. We've come up with cool activities. Um, we're coming up with a whole like resource page for the adult or educator or parent, whoever's like giving the course. So if their mm -hmm. kid gets really interested in this, you know, then they have other resources that they can uh, present to them to continue that journey of learning. Um, but it's, it's really just meant to be, um, kind of like a crash course on what archaeology is. And I think what's really neat about teaching kids archaeology is there's so many skill sets that are really kind of, um, I don't know if you call them like soft skills, but like talking about like ethics and critical thinking yeah. and cultural sensitivity, um, those types of things I think are really important to teach children but we're not actively teaching them like it's not like you go to ethics class as a you know 10 year old or something right like i mean that's just not really how we our school system is set up so i think looking at archaeology you you have to utilize those skills because we're dealing with people and when you work with people they have feelings and they have emotions and they have perspectives and opinions and you know it's a whole dynamic process it's not just picking up an artifact you know it's not just a thing um, we're dealing with people and so when you deal with people you need to develop those skills of looking at things ethically and looking at uh, different perspectives cultures 
culturally and how to interact in a uh, respectful way. Um, and also not to be afraid of dif you know differences. I think sometimes I know me like as a white woman, sometimes I feel intimidated uh, to to speak to someone that maybe doesn't speak English or looks different than I do because I don't want to offend them or I don't want to you know say or do something and uh, not know that I you know I'm being offensive. So I think like using archaeology as a really neat tool to connect. The, those um, gaps, because really, you know, racism is all about like just the fear of like the unknown and really not understanding, right? It's a it's a lack of education and understanding is what that is. And so I think using archaeology as a tool to address those types of issues is a really cool way. And like, who doesn't love like finding things and digging in the dirt and like all, you know, like it's just it's a journey. It's an exploration. It's an adventure. Um, and so along with this adventure, yeah. we're going to teach kids about critical thinking and, you know, heritage and why it matters and why we're doing all of this. And I think um, getting kids involved in that way is, is going to change how we interact with our world and our community. Yeah. Well, and the yeah. past is so fascinating for getting people to think about topics in a way that like they wouldn't normally because like we're all so inundated with news and divisiveness and opinions you know, from our phones, TV, radio, you know, wherever you're getting it. Um, and we get, we do get emotional about um, things, right? Because we're humans, like we are emotional beings. Um, but we also, you know, kids parrot what they're taught. They parrot what their parents say. Um, so getting kids and their parents, if their parents are teaching them or an educator, if it's the educator, um, who's teaching them, getting them to think about, you know, racism in the Roman period, right? What does that mean? What did that look like? How is it different? How can we, might we think about it in a different way? Um, and then like taking that learning and applying it to the situations that we're all living in um, to like be like a better, more inclusive, more welcoming, like fairer, kinder society. Yeah, yeah. it makes you more relatable to, again, the, like we were talking about earlier, like the connection to the past, like it's all relevant. It's all been happening for however long and it's just another connecting piece. Yeah, it's one of those things that can be difficult to develop these skills but even just beginning to be more mindful especially for the adults that are helping out like you mentioned um about what it is that you're saying or doing or like getting that like note of oh this seems familiar okay this is we've been here before um or you know as far as you know the, the current Mod modeling after the past or like history repeats itself sort of idea um mm -hmm. and i think that's a good way to to go about that yeah, yeah i'm excited to see what what happens with it i think um i think we have just a completely different way of of like presenting archaeology um through this like using it in this way so i'm curious to see like what happens <laughs> yeah, yeah totally. look forward to seeing how it develops in the final product when you guys are done with it um you'll definitely and you said, have to let us know 
That's going to be on. So it'll just be um, through our website. Um, okay. So when it's launched, it'll actually be, it'll just like go to our website and there'll be a whole like portal that you can log into and um, it'll be like a virtual setup all through our website. So I'll have, you know, the courses laid out and each course you'll have a video with Jess and I teaching and it's going to be real short, right? Cause kids, kids only have so much attention span. So we yeah. really want to make this into like a, almost like a reel like on Instagram that you would see, you know, like, like mm -hmm. just little mini videos of Jess and I teaching subjects. And then um, we just have a ton of activities that we're going to plug in there because that's how kids learn by doing stuff. We don't want them just sitting here and watching us talk. That's boring. <laughs> so, um, so we're going to have very little micro bite like video yeah. segments yeah. and then we'll have um, really the activities are what are going to be teaching these concepts, these skills. So um, it's going to be cool. And then I think at the very end, um, I have an idea to, to have, you know, all these, all the things that the kids have learned, um, to use all of those skill sets. I'm, I am creating, we'll see how this works out. It's, it's kind of like tweaking my brain a bit, but <laughs> thinking about, um, you know, all the management data forms and stuff that we fill out in the field. I, mm -hmm. what I want to do is create like a kid friendly version of the, that type of work and then have them find a resource within their own community and basically write it up like we would in the field and um, talk about the history and you know like a little report kind of in a way but I want them to take all the skills that we've talked about and to use that locally so you know in Golden is the Astor House you know use that property as your project you know find out the history about it and it'll obviously um, be all outlined and everything but really just using that to talk about like this is in your community like bringing that awareness to not just the kids but also the adults that are involved oh that's neat yeah i mean kirsten you were saying i think it was in one of the breaks it was just about like the importance of getting people interested in their own communities and how you you've noticed a decline in that so this project seems yeah. like a really great way to get people to understand what's in their backyard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. An example is a town that I grew up in. There used to be a, a children's children's history museum and a larger history museum next door um, that was run by the local historical society. And they do events and stuff. And now the historical society is nearly bankrupt. Both of the museums are closed. And basically they're just struggling to keep the collections um, oh, wow. maintained. So it's, oh, it's an unfortunate story. Um, but I've, I've heard yeah. of a couple other, uh, situations like that to where people are just getting hyper-focused on those short-term gains, uh, for profits, for, um, you know, hyper-focused on whatever's going on in social media at the time and losing that awareness of their community that they live in. And I think mm -hmm. these types of programs um, and the, I really like the different ways that you're approaching this because um, it's not just doing tours. It's not just doing the Astor House style community projects. Like you've got political involvement. You've also got um, you know, this, this kids program, it, it's like you're, you're, you're attacking it from, from, uh, from all angles, which is so important because 
everyone interacts and engages with their community differently. Not everyone is going to be interested in going on a walking tour, for example, um, Mm -hmm. or able to, and then, you know, not everyone. And that's where I really like the, the digital aspect of that, because that definitely makes it more accessible. Um, And then getting the kids and thus also the caregivers involved um, that, you know, are sort of by secondhand, I guess you could say, <laughs> um, yeah. getting this like education of like, oh, okay. And they're yeah. probably, you know, they're going to be thinking about this as well. So it's, it's really engaging the community in a, in a very holistic way that I don't really see very often. So, um, but getting a, an archaeology based collaborative community, awareness going is pretty fantastic and quite unique thank you yeah thank you we're we're really excited for it and for the future because it's like we're just <laughs> starting so just, uh, oh yeah oh yeah i know we're just in the beginning. We've got more um, plan. <laughs> we started in 2019 as like that's when we registered our name um but jess and i really didn't start fully immersing ourselves into developing this business until maybe about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, just we worked pr- jobs, full-time jobs as archaeologists in the field for years, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and like we just finally got to a point oh. to where we had built up community connections enough that we were able to transition more full-time. So I actually resigned from my field archaeologist position in October and um, have been doing community connections full-time since then. And Congratulations. thank you. It's a, it was a big step. <laughs> um, but, and Jess is uh, now part-time uh, working in the field <laughs> and tomorrow is my official part-time yep. status. Yeah. So I'm so excited. Yeah. So it's, it's just going to go, it's just going to grow from here is our, is our vision. So, so do you guys have a, um, an Instagram or a TikTok or a Twitter or yes. a Facebook page that we could drive people to? We definitely do. We've got Instagram and we're Community Connections LLC everywhere. We do not have a Twitter and we are getting ready to get on to TikTok. <laughs> so that's coming. Yeah. Yeah. TikTok is a whole uh, animal for us. So we're <laughs> <laughs> we're figuring it out. But I think uh, Jess and I have some cool stuff planned. We So actually, I, I was mentioned earlier, I live in like a hundred year old home. And so in the, my backyard, I have um, an open plot that um, I'm not sure what used to be there. We just bought the house. So I'm not sure all of the history yet. Um, but it's just like an dirt space next to like this old garage that used to probably be a carriage house at some point. Um, and so Jess and I are really interested in doing little um, segments on like how you would do like, like, a, like a mock dig. So mm-hmm. using my backyard as a way to educate people about archaeology and like what could be in your backyard type of thing and talk about the history. So we're working on getting like little mini 15 segment, you know, dig scenarios <laughs> up so that people can see you know what we actually do as archaeologists um we do have some of that on our instagram already we did a series on like archaeological field methods you know people don't really know what we do so we talked we about pedestrian know. survey and <laughs> we talked about you know testing what that looks like versus a full-scale excavation um so i think you know just Getting that information out there is so important. Uh, people are just like, oh, you're 
you dig stuff. I'm like, well, actually, <laughs> excavating is really expensive, and that's not what we do a lot of the time. A lot of the time, we're just hiking up mountains looking for stuff, you know. Um, so yeah, I think like our Instagram is really uh, where we spend a lot of time right now. But we're we're starting to get into those other realms of media, and especially with kids, like TikTok is the place to be. Yeah. So. Uh, we're working on that, but um, as both of you ladies probably know, it's uh, you know social media game is whew, it can be challenging. It changes so fast. I feel like as soon as you get used to something, you're like, oh, and that's not cool anymore. Okay. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yep. Never mind. Yep. So yeah, but I would say like our, our website. Um, I try really hard to keep that pretty up to date. Um, and that, and like just shooting us an email or a DM on social media, like you'll get a hold of us super easy. So definitely nice, brilliant. Um, we'll have to also throw that in the show notes. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a full show notes section. <laughs> uh, I've said that multiple times. Look in the show notes. Perfect. Um, but we, I mean, we are approaching the end of the third segment, which also means the end of the episode. Um. Jasmine, Jessica, thank you so much, both of you, for being here. Are there any kind of final thoughts that you want to leave the audience with? We're just grateful to be on. This is our first podcast interview. So thank you so much for having us. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that anyone that like wants to get involved with archaeology, there's so many cool organizations out there for... uh, you know, just like citizen archaeology. I think, you know, here in Colorado, we have the um, Colorado Archaeological Society, CAS, um, mm-hmm. and they do a ton of like volunteer opportunities and stuff like that. Um, and we have state archaeologists, like pretty much every state has an archaeologist, <laughs> like head archaeologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my goals is to uh, every household should know that they have a state archaeologist and like how to get a hold of them. And like, it's important if you're out somewhere and you think you find something, what do you do with it? Um, so don't pick it up. Don't yeah. pick it up. Not Leave it where it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> they are protected. Artifacts are protected by law. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, and I think like Jess and I, I, I hope that there are more companies out there that kind of start doing something that, you know, similar to what we're doing, but, um, you know, we're, we're just throwing things against the wall and seeing how they stick at this point. It's all brand new. So thank you so much for giving us the space to talk about it. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. It's been absolutely fascinating talking to you about what you're, what you're doing and how you're approaching archeological community engagement and education. So yeah, thanks for coming. And to all listeners, um, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. Um, we wouldn't do it without you. Um, if you liked what you heard, please go ahead and um, hit the subscribe link on whatever your podcast listening app of choice is. You can also follow us on Twitter at Women Archies and visit us online at www.womeninarchaeology.com. And if you are interested in providing some feedback or coming on the show, you can always be reached at womeninarchaeology at gmail.com. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye-bye.